Welcome to the podcast. Pilates for PTs, from business to clinical. Hi, y'all. My name is Stephen Dunn. I co-own Core Therapy and Pilates in Austin, Texas, and I'm the founder of Pilates for PTs. I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years, and I've been teaching Pilates and gyrotonic in my physical therapy practice for the last 15 years. In this podcast, I interview experts from all over the world so that you can learn more on how to grow your business or how to improve your clinical skills as a Pilates instructor in the physical therapy world. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, guys. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, we have today on our podcast, VJ Patel. He is a physical therapist. He is a business owner. He is an author. And with that, I... I want to introduce VJ. Introduce yourself. Actually, EJ, VJ, come on on and tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you become a physical therapist, my man? Okay, so you just want me to brag myself? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay, so hi, like hi everyone. Uh, this is VJ Patel. So you know, um, thank you, Stephen, for inviting me as a you know guest speaker. You're but I will just introduce myself a little bit. You know, uh, like. Uh, as I like, you know, as he said, I'm a physical therapist. I started my journey in 2010. That was my first job that I got in New York, uh, heart, heart, like heart of New York, Brooklyn. And I stayed in New York for like two years. And I kind of uh, started my journey as a staff PT. I had my ups and downs. You know, I had like serve as a different roles, like, you know, uh, starting from staff PT to rehab director, administrator. And now uh, I have moved to a position where I own several businesses in healthcare space. And uh, now, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get hold of those things. And uh, that's where I think we'll be talking more as, the, you know, the live goes on. Awesome, man. Awesome. So you started your journey. And from the journey when you became a physical therapist, how long did it become, did it take for you to get into business ownership? What was that journey like of, yes, you're a physical therapist, and, and then all of a sudden you're, you're a business owner. Tell me a little bit about that process. Okay. So uh, like my family background is uh, like in business, my family, like apart from me, everybody is a businessman. You know, my uh, dad has a diamond business and we own diamond cutting and manufacturing units in India. And here we have an office in Dallas too. But uh, like from my background, I started as a staff PT having no idea that uh, how I want to move up myself into the ladder. But I was fortunate enough to have my first job, uh, uh, which was also a starting company and, you know, uh, willing to grow as much as they want. And they wanted, you know, guys to jump in and take their leadership roles and, you know, uh, try uh, making things work for them. So my, uh, you know, my business owner, like, you know, the, the owner that I used to work for, he happened to have a big money. So every six months when he shows up in a meeting, he happened to have a folder in his like, you know, hand and he ended up buying something. And then he drops that folder into the desk, says, OK, I bought this thing. Now figure it out. And it was like my job and my, like the D.O.N., the nurse uh, administrator. It was her job and my job to make things work. So we started like uh, like, you know, I was working as a staff PT for six months and then uh, I was uh, assigned this uh, uh, like, you know, assignment that uh, my owner bought it like he bought it like a rundown assisted living facility uh, okay. for 60 beds and maybe he got a good deal out of it. So he bought it and then like uh, me and the DON jumped in. We, you know, uh, 
flipped that thing upside down because there was a lot of a uh, lot of mistakes i would say from you know providing the care to you know the guys there who were uh in a leadership role so we we had to flip that place almost upside down and it took took us almost 6 to 8 months to do it and of course the process was really grinding at at times like the pressure was really high and uh i was naive into the process so it was like you know i, I literally burned myself in the first shot but the first one luckily went in the right way so in 6 8 months we started you know uh flipping that business and we started making like a million dollar in first year in profit alone and then uh you know my confidence started growing up and up and up and then my owner kept buying businesses so he ended up buying a nursing home then after 6 months he ended up buying a community hospital so like my 2 years of working in that uh company we end up having a five businesses in a different different category and they were like each and every business was growing and uh at that point i started realizing that there is something more than a staff pt in me that i have to explore and uh you know uh like i started you know moving myself up in the ladder and uh i i started serve as a you know a nursing home administrator or even administrator for like community hospital at some point but then uh like new york was not my place to be for you know the weather reason and uh like just the city life is too busy for me so i just wanted to settle down so i moved back into like uh dallas in 2012 and started my uh started as a staff again in uh 2012 i didn't know where i'm going or what i supposed to do but i started like i worked for 6 months and then i started having a feel of the industry again like how things are different from new york to texas because every state uh you know is totally different like the you know, the business side of it is totally different so i i started to you know get a feel of it and then i bought, like you know started my home health care in 2013 uh i worked like my heart and soul and i like that business did not fly in that was my first venture as an independent and after putting one and a half year all my money in uh because the medicare decided not to allow any more medicare numbers to the home health agency like the monitorium kicked in basically and for that reason alone i was screwed and i could not open up my home health agency even though i had all the credentials i did everything right but medicare decided not to give the number so you know uh i took a big hit in terms of like financial loss and in terms of my confidence too uh again i found like a good partner like uh you know to help me the transition so i partnered up with somebody who already had a home health because he knew that i had a experience of running the business so he brought me in as a partner and then we started growing up uh starting from 2015 to 17 uh we ended up having two home health care a therapy division on the side and then uh in like last year we also bought an outpatient clinic in uh Dallas Texas so to summarize yeah. you know last 10 years of my experience uh i started uh getting more and more uh you know uh passionate about the numbers because more and more businesses i get involved in or i get a chance to look at it uh most of the time i see the when uh, a business can make it or break it it all comes down to you know numbers and 
over the period of time, I started fixing all those numbers and, you know, I now I have the confidence and uh, now I can say confidently that now officially I'm into the business of flipping healthcare businesses. So from this year, we're like, and uh, the good news that I would like to share is like two weeks ago, I recently sold my home healthcare business. Nice. So I'm making the exit as a profit, of course. And uh, like I'm looking into my next adventure. So I'm al already looking into, you know, some uh, business potentials that I have on my desk. And uh, like, I think I'll be going full time by help flipping healthcare businesses. So I'll be buying, you know, businesses that are struggling and then uh, making it work. Got it. That's awesome. And so let's just kind of summarize a little bit. <clears throat> In New York, you were working with someone that was buying the businesses, but you were a big part of the building the businesses, but you weren't necessarily a part of the ownership. Is that correct? Yes. And then when you came to Texas, you opened your first place on your own. It didn't go so well, found a partner that had some experience in the, in the industry you were in. You, you took his experience, you took your experiences, combined it together. And then it's been a, a snowball of positive sense. Does that, does yeah. that summarize all that? Uh, yeah. I love that. So like the first job, like the, the New York job was pure experience. Somebody trusted my ability, you know, yeah. even though I did not have money, which of course, you know, 80 or 90% of the people right now uh, may be passing through the same phase, right? But you, like, as I, only one thing I would say is like, as long as you have the ability, somebody else has the money for sure. That's a great point. That's a very good yeah, point. So that's, yeah, that's all. Awesome. That's what I would like to say. And so you got like a little trial with the the people in New York. You got a taste of um, being basically got a taste of like building a business mm -hmm. um, and taking what they were buying and what they were acquiring and how to make it work. So it was a great experience. And then again, you took your your failure and you didn't let it you didn't let that failure define you. You found you you kept making steps. You kept taking action. And now you're at a place where you're flipping businesses. So I love the story. And again, since we've last talked, things have changed with what's happened two weeks ago. So that's that's the beauty of uh, of us getting together. Now, um, let me ask you this: when you um, when you started buying, when you're when what was the shift? Or let me let me back up before I get to that. When did you start stop seeing patients and just only deal with administrative stuff? Or are you still seeing some patients here and there? Or are you strictly administrator, or and you and you pay people to do the patient care? Tell me a little bit about that 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 transition from clinician to business owner. But some business owners really stay as clinicians, even though they're business owners. <laughs> so, so tell me a little bit about where, how that's transitioned for you and where you're at in that process. Yeah, no, like I think it's a great question and great dilemma for anybody who is a clinician. Okay, because like there are times that you question that like. You know, are am I doubting my clinical skills? No, but there is something good everybody has that that edge that you have, right? So what I found out over the period of time is I have an edge on the business side, even though I'm a good clinician. I'm a doctorate in physical therapy, uh, specialized in joint replacement arthritis. You know, I have done uh, you know my internship from NYU and stuff. So uh, I have a great resume when it comes to you know being a clinical or even when it comes to patient care. So like the confidence is like, is there, but uh, my ability is needed somewhere else where, you know, uh, there's a lack of, you know, support. So 
So that's where I try to, you know, uh, shine out. And when it comes to patient care, still today, I try to see at least uh, five to 10 patients, depending upon my schedule. But I just try to reserve myself as a last resort that if nobody's doing it, yes, I'm doing it. And it like that, like DFW is so like vast and, you know, a metroplex that we used to cover that, uh, you know, so a lot of times we don't find a staff or somebody is sick or somebody needs to cover it. So I just all like since last five years, I would say I, I keep myself as a reserve, but at any given day, any given point, I would not mind patient care if I have to. Got it. Got it. And that's kind of where I'm at. I, I love patient care, but I love the business side. But I've been really heavy in the patient care for many, many, many years, and I've been slowly transitioning out of it over the since November as I brought Andy in. Um, but that's hard for me because I'm used to seeing yeah. 35, 40 people a week, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. And it was it's been a hard transition to go down to 20, 25. That feels really slow to me. Even <laughs> it just feels it, um, and so it's very, very strange. But I know it's something I have to continue to do. It, my next step is to get down to 15 and then down to 10 uh, per week. And and, ha- and then again, Andy building, building, building. And I'm not seeing any new patients. I'm only seeing patients that already have relationships with me that already know me. Um, but it's one of those things where that's been hard for me. Um, because yeah. I do love clinic patient care, but I also love the business side of it. But the patient care has gotten in the way of me being able to run my business the way I truly want to. And yeah. I know that, and I and I appreciate that. And I'm doing things to to offset that right now with with bringing in the right staff to help me with patient care. Um, but with that said, now that that's that's all. You know, again, that's that's I, the reason I asked that question is because that's what I want to hear. I need to hear. I need to find. And I, I think I can relate the same issue with me too. But I think I had a very short. Uh, you know, uh, time to to make the transition because I was like pushed into it. Like I would not say like pushed into it, but like, yeah, there was an opportunity that uh, I did not expect it, but I, it just happened to be in my lap and then I grabbed it and it turned out to be good, right? But uh, like even uh, like personally, when I made a transition, if I go back five, six years ago, uh, for first like year, I took a pay cut. I literally took a pay cut. I decided to see from 35 to 40 patients in home care to only to seeing 20 patients. So like, you know, I started like, you know, pushing myself down. So initially there was a gap uh, with, uh, with, you know, no thoughts, but you have to have that gap in order to create a space for, you know, some more new thoughts to come in. If your brain is too much occupied by regular stuff, then the new ideas or new, you know, seeds are not going to uh, like sprout in your brain. And it it still happens to me like till today, if I'm like really into like certain things for like a month, then I will not get like, let's say, you know, uh, I would like to help out the online community, which I have. But since last one month, we have been going through this transition that I was just so much busy that everything else was just kind of neglected because my business was going through a sale. I wanted to make sure everything goes through in the right manner. And, you know, so since last one month, I was just deep into it. So that nothing else was even my focus or nothing else was even crossing my mind. So sometimes, you know, that happens to like most of the guys, but 
like since we are trying to share you know this platform as a journey and experience you know uh the problem with the industry is you know especially with the healthcare professional is uh everybody teaches you how to be a good clinician but nobody teaches you how the business side works and people end up working as employee for rest of their life which they should not yeah. because at the end you know when when especially things uh like uh goes in a down ways like when you are 55 or 65 and you are a physical therapist you know the amount of physical uh activity is required is way more demanding than you know uh that maybe limit yourself to even function right i have a like a really good friend uh she she herself has a disc problem so she had to quit outpatient just because now she cannot do all the lifting and stuff yeah right so even though she's a great clinician hands down pt but you know she had to modify her stuff and at some point we all will be going you know to age out right and our profession requires so much of physical you know upfront that will not be the case every time right so uh, let me share you like i, I think I, i told you personally but i think i would just like to share like the life changing event i would say in my life uh that literally shook me from my inside out and this incident happened like i think 6 months off my starting of career in new york so i was a home health pt going all over new york city and i know new york city each and every corner more than i would say people who lived like actually live for like last 30 40 years i know each and every corner of the new york city because i had i was doing home care so i was like going all over but 6 months of my starting job you know i had this patient he had a hip like uh it was a winter time so he had a fall uh, ended up fracturing his hip and like you know doctor did a replacement so a start of care was done i went there for evaluation and he was a nice guy like in his 55 i would say like you know 55 to 60 and uh like the moment i uh you know stepped into his house we started talking about his evaluation history what happened and stuff and by the time i finished my evaluation he told me one thing that uh can i ask you a favor i said okay what i can help you um uh, so he said like can you re- uh put in a request to change your ot for me and then you know i said okay what happened like and i started my comp- like i looked up my tablet and i saw there was a name of ot that i know and she was the one who came in in the morning did the her evaluation and so i started digging in what what happened why like you know why like why you want to change your ot so he said like you know uh, one thing like she happened to be 65 and she happened to have broke her hip too so she was also going under rehab basically and i knew her personally she was one of the best clinical therapists i have ever known for that point but for patient he just looked as as like if somebody's walking with a cane i'm not going i don't want to be treated like yeah. how they are going to be treating me as a like you know as a patient and teaching me the same thing so he he kind of just developed a doubt and then he requested to change and now i'm thinking like i'm in the middle of the thought just right there my life is flashing like forward so i'm just imagining i'm i was 25 at that point and i was like uh, what if I'm in this same situation, right? I have 40 years of physical therapy experience, hands down clinicals. 
and I happen to have a knee pain and I'm walking with the cane, showing up to a patient door and patient is saying no, because I'm walking with the cane and patient is also walking with the cane. And it's just creating a self doubt. And at that point, I was like, I just don't want to see that person me. Like, it's it's just no. Like, and that night I went home and I could not even sleep. I like the only thought was like, I just don't want to be that guy, like who 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 gets rejected. So there's something to be done, right? So I just started like a kind of reverse engineering, like how can I make this possible? And then I decided kind of a deadline that okay, like you know, 40 to 45. I want to give my give up my clinic like clinical role, and then I just want to move up to a, like you know something that is more uh, administrative side of it, which I can still be a help at the same time. Uh, I I don't want to repeat the same scenario what happened to me uh, at the age of 25, right? So, and I think that that is that that incident still stays with me, and that still motivates me to the day. And I was fortunate enough that I'm like, my goals are achieved and I'm 33 right now. So I own like, you know, like uh, right now I already sold like my home healthcare, but I still own two businesses as of today. So uh, like, you know, that's, that's kind of my journey. But at the same time, like last, since last two years, I've been uh, like, you know, uh, from uh, my inner voice, I would say is like when I see a lot of uh, like, you know, therapists going through the same situation, like I can see there's a lot of groups popping up for side hustles and, you know, side income and sure. all kind of things. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like, why do you have to go to the side income, right? Because your main income is just shrinking to a point that you cannot even justify, yeah. right? Then there is a fundamentally something wrong. I agree with so that. Now, you know, uh, like that's where I I, I want to, you know, uh, start like taking initiative of like teaching people because Medicare is paying same money, like almost the same money. Like maybe it's a little different, like maybe 8% cut here and there, but like it used to pay $150. Now it's $120 for home healthcare visit or maybe from $200 to $150. But it's not to a point where I can see, like I, I just showed up one uh, Indeed post this morning, which was uh, like a medical record uh, reviewer job for a PT starting for 15 to $20 an hour. Yeah, that's crazy. So things are really going, you know, uh, in a wrong way, which, which leads to a question that, you know, like there's something to be done, right? For sure. And like, it, I'm not trying to uh, be more negative here, but at the same time, trying to more educate people because like people have been literally ignorant about how the business side of uh, healthcare works. Recently, like uh, when I posted like, you know, uh, research that showed that 80% of physical therapists don't even know how much CPT code they're billing is getting paid actually. Right? So, that much of ignorance is going on in like, you know, the industry. So like, if that is the mentality, then the only way is like down way, you know, there's no, like, you're only thing like you're, th- you're only thinking, how can I stay afloat? Forget about you and growing yourself. The only thought that is coming is how am I going to meet my paycheck or how am I going to meet my, you know, ends meet? Now I'm going to start my side hustle. And you you will be getting more and more busy, and then like you know the 
you will be in a vicious circle that your brain will not have a free time to think something new, which is going to be more, uh, you know, productive or more appealing. You will be just grinding through the process so much that, uh, you know, you, you like you, you will spend 20 years of your life like this and you won't even realize it. For sure. Now, I, I love that because the, the side hustle is what everyone's looking at right now. But if the side hustle takes away, you know, it's bringing your ability to make some extra income. Yes, but it's taking away from your energy and effort at your other job. At some point, the burnout becomes based on what you're trying to do too much, not just the burnout being based on your corporate job or your regular job. Right. And so that's a great point. I hadn't actually thought about it that way. So yeah. when, when, as a, so, you know, me, you and I are both business owners. When, when should someone take their side hustle and turn it into their permanent gig? So uh, like it, I, I have explained in detail of my book that was, uh, you know, uh, transition from employee to employer uh, that I wrote. So I explained in detail well how, how I did it because I did not have any godfather or anything. I had to do it myself. So even I like, you know, I had side hustles, but my side hustle was more of focusing on getting more extra income than, you know, trying to develop anything more than, you know, I should. What I was doing was I was just, uh, you know, catching up with PRN in nursing homes and, you know, getting like consistently $2,000 biweekly. So any side hustle that you do, my only thing is find something that that is consistent, that has to be consistent. If it is just a flare of time, I see like, you know, there are people posting, oh, $10,000 mark, but that's a one-time shot. Then they are quiet for last, like next two years. So find something that gives you $500, doesn't matter, like maybe $100 weekly, but consistency is the key. And if that, that will lead you a long way, then, you know, a $1,000 or $5,000 short of one time, because then like things will be quiet for six months again. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of inconsistency because when your income is consistent, you can plan way more things, uh, you know, uh, you can budget yourself accordingly. And as you mentioned, you know, I'm the numbers guy. And like last 10 years, I have, uh, you know, uh, kind of developed affinity towards numbers. So like if I see that there's no good business or bad business, but yeah, there's always a good business owner and bad business owner. <laughs> okay. And what my comes down is like, you know, I have to look into the numbers. If you, if anyone asking me that, okay, like, you know, uh, uh, like I have to evaluate a business. The first thing I'm going to ask is show me your numbers, because once I see your numbers, I don't have to ask you any single questions because I know exactly how you're operating. And uh, like yesterday, you know, like uh, I was reading like Tony Martino, uh, he, he he just posted one thing and like I can re like, you know, resonate a lot of uh, uh, relation to it is like he uh, posted that, you know, the mortgage rate is so much down right now that maybe you want to think about refinancing, right? So it has the same relation into the business, okay? Everybody is focused on how can I improve the profit? How can I improve the profit? How can I improve the profit? Or how can I improve the revenue? But what I realized actually is you don't have to improve the profit or you don't have to improve your revenue. You just cut down your cost. The simple example I can tell you is the last year the clinic we bought, uh, it was paying $8,000 in rent. So that's $96,000 a year, pre-tax money. 
going away just like that, okay? And because of one-on-one -on -one with Medicare and stuff, there's not going to be 10 patients in one time. If you have like, you know, like unless you have like 10 PTs hiring, that's a different thing. But we have two staff PTs. So the max you will have is four people in the clinic. So you don't need that extra space. So what we cut it out all the extra space that we want, like, uh, you know, we didn't need. We started subleasing. Now my rent is down to $3,000. I'm making $5,000 profit just like that. Just by doing that, I made $60,000 a year. Yeah, instead of instead of throwing it away in rent, throwing away a hundred thousand yep. dollars in rent, you're making money, and you know that's a it's yep. a total shift. I, I love that. So again, you looked at the numbers of all right, where can we change some of these these numbers? And that was the first thing you do. So where did you sub you sublease space out to other uh, other similar practices? Estheticians, yep. massage therapists, you know. Uh, something that is more synergy at the same time, because we what we wanted to know was like, of course, we don't act as naive and just give it up. So what we did was we planned out accordingly. So now we have a chiropractor coming in. Uh, we just let, lease him an office. We have a synergy, right? Then we have a massage therapist leasing the office. And same thing, we have a doctor who is leasing the office for two days. So he's just coming for two days uh, and he just wanted to increase his uh, coverage area for like a uh, physician. So there, his patient does not have to drive all the way to downtown Dallas, right? So he's coming down to McKinney for two days to serve his patients. And we are just providing the lease for like, you know, space for him. Yep. And plus in, in return, we also get some referrals from him. Sure. Sure. I like that. And how did y'all go? How'd you go about finding those people that you that have ended up leasing from you? Is that something you put out ads in like Craigslist? Did you, you know, what was your process to to find those people? Was it more? Like initially, we started with Facebook and you know Craigslist and all, but then uh, like you know I I found a good uh, like a realtor and a friend. Uh, now he's taking care of everything. So you know, uh, but yeah, the good point to start is always a Facebook and a Craigslist. But then we realized that we we like what the disadvantage of like just posting it online is you're just getting a random inquiries. Yeah. Like somebody is like a nail salon or somebody is like a hair, a hairdresser needing the space. So it, it's like, it's good, but at the same time, it's not a synergy that is going through. So what we realize is instead, like let's invest in a realtor who gets a commission. It's fine. But at the same time, he's going to make that effort to find that synergy That's so right. that, you know, it eventually improves the business overall. I like that. I like that. Now, I want to just go over what Andy said. I posted below. It says, when he was employed, the fee schedule was kept a secret, uh, as a secret by the employees. Um, so they didn't know what their uh, fee schedule was. I believe that most employees honestly don't have any way to know how much revenue they generate. That's a good point. And that's with what you were saying earlier. Um, and, and Andy, I think that that's something that, the physical therapy profession, not knowing what they generate is a part of how they've kept us down. It's a part of how yeah. they kept but paying. Now you just Google it. Since last six years, Google has made everybody's life easy. That's so true. Everything is Google. Like you, you don't have to find what is your employers making. Okay. That, that's like, I think that's a wrong mentality for being an employer site. Find out what is the industry average. 
that, that's the basic thing you should be knowing. You, you don't need to know like the, you know, the inside of your business or anything else, because maybe that kind of gets you into trouble too sometimes because you, you are entering into something that you should not as an employee, right? But uh, like the best thing is Google it, even WebPT. Like WebPT uh, publishes data of uh, reimbursement every single year. Uh, like the industry average, each CPT code, how much they are getting paid, uh, which are the CPT codes are being used more frequently, uh, which are the CPT codes are being denied more frequently. There's all kind of data available online. So my advice is like when I say, you know, trying to know the numbers is not like, you know, looking into your employer's data, but yeah, just just find out what is going on in the industry or, you know, uh, just find out what setting is getting paid. Like if you're working in a nursing home, how much nursing home is getting paid because everybody gets paid differently. Yep. So, you know, how much outpatient is getting paid or how much is home care getting paid? Just Google it and find out, you know, some numbers around it. And like the reason we are talking about numbers is like, you know, uh, what we identified is, uh, you know, the number has to make sense. If you are like, let's say outpatient business owner, right? So if I decide to open up an outpatient clinic in downtown Manhattan, right, and I'm treating a Medicare patient, which is paying me $120, the business is not going to make sense because the rent is going to kill me itself, right? So that's what, like, you know, the fundamental applies, and that's what I try to, you know, strive in is, like, you have to identify yourself. Uh, you cannot just copy-paste somebody. It, it doesn't work like that, okay? Even though like uh, like somebody is in Dallas and want to copy paste my clinic, it doesn't work like that, okay? You have to have like, you know, a flow that is going through according to your clinic and you have to have a staff who is following the flow. As long as that happens, then only your business will be successful. Otherwise, you know, you, you will be struggling through the process. I think we had, a, like, if you remember, we had a conversation where, you know, like we, about the staff, like uh, you, you, you told me about, you know, how, how I was struggling to find a front desk because, you know, the synergy doesn't match and you have to find a person who, who has the vision of like, you know, similar to you or who can like, you know, imagine or envision your, your vision, right? Kind of thing. So your experience doesn't matter, but you have to have people, maybe like, you know, you have to start from ground up just find somebody who is blank and then you teach them the way you want it instead of somebody who has already like, you know, uh, set standards and then, uh, you know, trying to work around it. So like flipping a business, it's fun now, but at the same time, it can be like a really burnout process. And uh, like, if you don't know what you're doing, then like the first thing is going to happen is you will lose money. And you will lose money like a big time and you won't even realize it. Right. And I've seen it a lot. Like even I have personally lost it. Like if I don't follow like what I'm doing right now and if I even try to deviate like a little bit of it, yes, I'm going to pay price for that. So sure. I have learned my lesson and that's where, you know, I'm trying to share uh, the knowledge, which, you know, maybe, here, you know, uh, people will listen and you know we, we can help out a lot more people do that i love it i love it and something you mentioned earlier about the the the, the side hustle mm -hmm. 
wanted to go back to and just kind of share my little quick story. When I opened my business here in Texas, um, I worked for a doctor two days a week and working for him two days a week, he gave me the opportunity to work per patient, uh, to get paid per patient or to get paid, um, you know, like hourly. And we worked out a deal to get paid per patient and see two patients an hour. And so in the two, two days a week that I worked for him, I was basically making a hundred dollars an hour cause I was seeing two patients an hour. So I was making, you know, $1,600 a week from two days of, of his place. So with that amount of money and I could pay my rent at my office, yeah. I could pay my mortgage and I could pay basically my bills so that everything I made the Monday, Wednesday, Friday at my office was basically like, that was my profit. And then I needed yeah. to myself up to be able to take to step away from that $1,600 a week from him. And uh, it took me six months of working for him or so, seven months of working for him to where I could leave and say, and I went to him very straight up. I was straight up with him and said, Hey, I'm opening my own business. So I'll be here as long as I can, as long as I need to be here. As soon as I don't need to be here, I'm out. And we, we made a deal that I would not solicit this, his clients. Those were his clients. I wouldn't try to take them, but that if someone asked me what I did on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would tell them but I would not solicit anybody. And when I would tell them, I wouldn't be telling them in a way to try to like get them to come see me. But in the reality, because him and I had a great relationship and I was upfront and honest with him, when I left, I still got referrals from him. I still get referrals from him to this day, 15 yeah. years later, um, because of the relationship that we built by being honest. And I helped him. I was making 50 bucks an hour. He was making a hundred dollars an hour at that time. Um, I'm sorry. He was making a hundred dollars a patient. I'm making $50 a patient. He was making $200 an hour. I was making a hundred dollars an hour. It was a win-win for both of us. Everybody was happy. I wasn't upset about the money he was making. Uh, he was happy that I was becoming a, a growing entrepreneur. He was excited to be a part of that process to help me. Uh, Dr. Gupta right down the street. I loved him still, still do. Um, so I, I just wanted to reiterate that point because that was something that I didn't think I was going to have to do when I opened my business. But then I realized, huh, I can be a lot more comfortable and a lot less stressed if I have this side hustle in this way. But it was designed that way. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't me trying to have a full time job and then fit in a side hustle. It was like, whoa, this this two days of work is actually going to afford my side hustle to become my real hustle. And that's exactly. that, that was my story. And it was fun. So, it was a process. Yeah. No, I'll just add a little bit to it. Like, you know, like your side hustle should be fitting into your long-term vision. It cannot be like, you know, uh, what I see right now going on in the industry is like, there's just random side hustles. You can't just jump into the random side hustles because then uh, those are too extreme. Like you have to have a bigger picture and then like have a side hustle, which maybe you don't like it or maybe you like it, it doesn't matter, but it has to fulfill to your long-term vision. As long as you do that, that will really help you instead of having just a random side hustle. And then you're just trying to stretch to the extreme, like having, you know, like working in a nursing home, then you work as a, you know, maybe technical side of something. I love it. I love it. Now let's just talk about numbers for a second. If you were to give some advice to a new business owner, someone who's just going out and starting their business, what are some of the numbers that they should be like most focused on? Okay, so uh, like I'll just talk about outpatient today. Okay, right. so uh, as I said, like you know, uh, there are some sensible things as a business owner you need to know uh, without you know 
putting even shoes into the water. So the number one is like uh, identify like you know uh, like what exactly like what is your long term picture, right? So that's what like I I, I do had like two men like you know mentees that I was mentoring. So this is how I did was like first I like I need to know what is your bigger vision. It doesn't have like you know maybe it's ten years down, fifteen years down. And number two is you have to understand the limitation of the business. Okay. If you don't know the limitation of the business that you are going in, you will be ending up like wasting a lot of money. So for example, uh, I can explain is like, if I have an outpatient in McKinney, the only market that I want to focus is 10 mile radius of that McKinney. Okay. There's going to be a, like, I would say 5% patient who's going to drive more than 10 miles to my clinic, because there's going to be another clinic who's going to provide like, you know, same level of care, because when it comes to patient care, you know, everybody is good. So why would somebody drive 30 minutes unless, you know, you're providing special care, but still the conversion rate will be like, I would say five to 10%. So you don't want to waste too much money and too much time trying to capture that market. You want to focus on like, you know, 10% radius of your clinic. And that's where you want to be focused, uh, wasting your money and wasting your time so that that, it, that can convert your, you know, uh, like referrals. I've seen a lot of PTs doing this. This is very basic, very common mistake. They, they just go general. You cannot just go general, okay? You have to identify the population that you're serving and then, you know, market according, like targeted marketing. So that, because especially like when you're starting out business, your money is limited. So you have to like, you know, every dollar has to make sense because you could have, you know, Paid to the staff, you could have paid to the you know upgrade the clinic. You could have paid that dollar to buy some equipment, or you could have just paid yourself that dollar. But you ended up wasting somewhere which like gave you no results, right? So that's like number one. Number two is uh, as I was saying, like if you are like you like you have to under, like identify the business model. So. Uh, if you want to serve like a Medicare patient and you, you you want to open a clinic in a downtown Manhattan, the rent is going to be so high that the $120 an hour is not going to make any sense. So I, I would rather switch myself from downtown Manhattan to upstate Manhattan, which the rent is like really low. If I lose five patients, it's perfectly fine. But the rent is not going to kill me to a point where I cannot even survive. Yeah. So this is a very common mistake that people do is like uh, they rent out or they just want to be in a like very nicer and posh areas or, you know, open up their clinic or studios in like a very fashionable way. But at the end, do not forget that you you have to make money out of it. OK, it cannot just be a million dollar practice and you burning million dollar in, in it. And then at the end. For me, that business is worthless compared to somebody like a small practice in Alabama, somewhere in far, far periphery, but making $10,000 bonus, right? Yeah. So that business is way more successful than somebody in LA or New York burning millions of dollars and making nothing. That makes sense. Yeah. And I have seen those businesses like every single day. Uh, like now what I do is full time, I'm switching to, you know, uh, now I'm developing like you know connection to the brokers 
who are bringing me all these deals to my table, I evaluate morning to evening. What I do is like I started looking, you know, the deals that I get for healthcare businesses because there's a lot of businesses that are going up for sale. So I want to find the businesses that I uh, that interest me. And if the numbers make sense, then, yeah, I would like to buy it and, you know, uh, run it successfully and make an exit. Like so far, I have made an exit out of five businesses successfully. And more and more I do, I'm building up that confidence and, of course, the experience behind it. Because it's like if that it was that easy, everybody could have done it. But like, you know, you need to know what you're doing at the same time, because not only you will lose your money, but you will lose your like, you know, precious time of your life, which even at some point I did, like I lost one and a half year of my life, which business, which failed, right? So ultimately I lost my money, but I lost one and a half year of my life uh, that I could have done way more things. So so let me uh, rephrase a, a common word that I've heard multiple times, confidence. Confidence yes. in your clinical skills, confidence in your business skills, confidence in your evaluating these businesses, confidence in whatever it is. Um, so I want to just say that word. That's the buzzword that I've heard over and over and over from no matter what we're talking about, what what level of, of our discussion, that word confidence has come out in every single one of them. So I just wanted to reiterate that to the audience because um, I think we're taught as PTs to have this ego, but I don't think we're taught to be confident. I think we're taught to have ego yeah. and we they, we're taught to like stroke our ego, but confidence and ego are different in my opinion, and having confidence in, in your ability to help someone, confidence in your your ability as a business owner, those things are different than having an ego. And so I just want to go over that because I think that's our biggest problem in the PT profession is ego. Yes. And I think the other problem is lack of confidence <laughs> because we're living behind an ego. So again, like, like, you know, one thing like, uh, it, we are interviewing a PT for our McKinney clinic. We are just adding one more PT. So like yesterday I was like interviewing four PTs. Yeah. And like uh, the best thing, you know, I learned from my employer was like, and you know, the, these are some, some of the best advice I can ever get in my life. And one of that is fr- learn to be a good employee. If you want to be a good employer, if you cannot be a good employee, you can never be a good employer. I like that. These are the words from my first boss. He's a great guy, very, very rich. Of course, he flies in helicopter in New York City. So you can see how much rich he is. Yeah. But very down to earth. Like his his background was from nothing, very down to earth. But he uh, taught me like lessons that really ha- like has changed my life. And when you hear this confidence, you know, like uh, if you if I see myself like when I got my first job, I was a 22-year-old kid, nervous, uh, lack of confidence, skinny as hell. Uh, like, yeah, I, I was like 122 pounds or 130 maybe. But he saw me something that even I could not see it at that point. And that was the, like, because, you know, when he hired me, of course, we did not have this discussion. but like over the period of time when he saw me growing one time we really had a friendly discussion and I, I asked him like openly like you know what did you saw me 
it's you made that decision that somebody who who was fresh out of college zero experience and you handed him a, like a multi-million dollar business to run it right yeah and he, he he said like you know i can see myself in you so i was like wow that's a very big compliment sure for like for me that was like so much of confident boosting at that point that's right i was about and he told me that like the moment i saw you i i i can imagine myself like the younger version of you and i was like wow that that's like you know thank you 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 have made my life yeah yeah and that like that that comment itself has given me so much of confidence then I, every time i i try like if i fail i have my failures okay everybody has failures so if you don't learn from it that's where you fail you don't fail from your failure but if you don't learn from it that's where like you, your actual failure is and sure. you know i have done enough mistake that that converted into confidence you know so when we are talking about confidence of course it comes from making mistakes it does not come from you know uh like just a good side of it the more mistakes you do and you learn from it and you improve that that is a solid confidence otherwise like the, the confidence without like a success without failure is so much hollow that because anybody's going to fail okay even my dad he his journey itself is you know uh like a challenging enough like you know uh from uh somebody who who was you know uh like a 10 year old very poor grew up in a village of india you know kind of thing and then he moved himself up to a point where he owns several manufacturing factories and you know like very well to do so he has his own struggle so he he does inspire me but at the same time you know uh i was just lucky enough to get that first job who was uh you know motivating enough or even self inspiring enough uh that has changed my life to the point where i am right now I love that you had that influence from your your uh, dad though. Um my dad was a professor and um you know I'm a big fan of the Rich Dad Poor Dad book yeah, that yeah. Book that changed my life. And when you look at that book, my dad was poor dad. He had the 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 stable job. He was a PhD professor, worked at the college, worked 8 months a year, got his paycheck. Um but the idea of owning a business like that was just like foreign to him. And he thought I was a little crazy when I went into my first business. He was he thought I was a little crazy when I bought my first investment property. Um, he thought I was a little crazy when I started asking him if he was willing to invest with me in some of those uh, deals. And then eventually he's like, whoa, he listened to me. And it, he was, you know, because I I grew up in that poor dad philosophy, even though my dad made money as a professor, we still live that poor dad mindset. And then you grew up with a dad that came from poor village in India to, to doing well and, and setting himself up. So he became that by what? Owning businesses, by owning manufacturing, by, by setting up this, the, the systems to make that money. Um, and so you had that influence and 
that support. Whereas I didn't, it's not that I didn't get support from my dad. He just didn't understand. He came from like, yeah, I got my PhD for that security. And, and I got my PT for the security, my PT degree for the security. Let's be honest. But I realized real quick for me to make an impact as a PT, I had to own my own business because that was the only way I would actually make enough money to survive in this industry. Um, so I love that, that like you and I have come from kind of different backgrounds with what we've had as our influence. But yet that rich dad, poor dad ties those two backgrounds together a little bit. So, again, we continue to I love that we continue to find these commonalities or not commonalities, but things that make us mix and makes us, makes our relationship uh, stronger. Now, I love that you mentioned your story that got you talking the, the, the PT with the cane. And I read that in your book. And, and, and I wanted you to you mentioned your book before, but I wanted you to. Set, uh, give us the name of your book. And I want you to give everyone an opportunity that's listening, how they can in, reach out and contact you. Uh, any websites, any um, you know places on Facebook or whatever. But first, what's the name of your book? And then tell us how anyone could contact you to get more information about the stuff that you're doing, my man. Okay. So uh, I would like to apologize because like I've not done more, like more of a, an online presence yet. I know like that's the back end work that is pending a lot, <laughs> but I have not gotten time to do that. But anybody like, you know, just the best way to do it is uh, hit me on a Facebook, uh, you know, message me on a Facebook if the, you want to help. Uh, like, you know, I, I, I would love to help you at like the best way I can, you know, yeah, to review it, uh, some of the financial, just to give you like a brief idea or free consultation of an hour. Yes, I would love to do it, you know. And uh, number two is the book that I have, like uh, the it's the like the book name is The Journey from Employee to Employer. I love it. I love it. And and I've I've got a copy of that through uh, your PDF. Is that something that people can find through uh, Amazon? Uh, not yet, but yeah, uh, that that's something also like, you know, I need to be publishing, but it will be coming out soon for sure. But I'm just trying to, uh, you know, do it everything in a manner that will uh, kind of coordinate it instead of having, you know, just a book, but, you know, stuff like that. Got it. Got it. Understood. Understood. But I would like, like uh, I can just give it out for free for now. You know, anybody who would like to read it. Uh, just hit me up in a comment in a Facebook and, you know, I'll definitely send you out a link in a PDF. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I've read it. And uh, I, that's how I have it as a, through the P PDF and it was, uh, it was good. So I love to hear the story come out, you know, as we talk about a story that I've already read about and that I knew was an influence and, and it makes a lot of sense, you know, I mean, as a PT, as a young, so, uh, sorry, uh, like, Andy is just reminding me that, okay, so I do have a group. It's called a healthcare entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, forgot what to mention it. Even I, I, I've been, you know, lately not posting anything in that group, but uh, like I have a group. It's called healthcare entrepreneurs. And what me, like what I want to take initiative is I, I would like to collaborate, you know, with Steven or some industry leaders who are already, you know, have made that journey because. Uh, what I found out is everyone has journey, right? And I, I'm always interested into finding out, you know, journey of the people who has made it, like, you know, Stephen or, you know, uh, some other guys or like, you know, uh, Greg or, you know, similar people. So to like, you know, someone who is starting out so that they can 
learn from that experience and you know try to apply some of the principle or some of the like the one example that i would say is like uh, i also started like a youtube channel called the curious entrepreneur and you know of course i have interviewed you and other people so that is also one thing that i started as to know people's journey who has made it already right so you can just go to youtube uh, find the curious entrepreneur that's a, like i think i have nine episodes already and I'll, I'll be starting like a season two once i finish up with my this current business so uh the you know coming back to a point is like uh there's a lot of you know common uh, mentality when it comes to you know uh, following successful people the one thing i can say is like rich that poor that or influence of books in general right uh, maybe it's a different book but influence of book is something that i found like you know common in each and every person that I have, you know, uh, relate to or I have interviewed or I, I can look up. To. They have always told me that, okay, this was this book that, you know, taught me this thing or, you know, had an influence in my life. And even I cannot think enough about like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I, I learned a lot from that at my early stage of life, which I would say I'm learning it right now. But now I can relate, oh, I have like already known it like you know cash flow quadrant or how may you make a transition from employee to employer or what is the advantage of being 1099 you know how to take the tax benefits what are the write-offs those kind of things which th that book you know explains it in a so much good way that everybody should know this this is basic you know you you are doing a huge favor to yourself if you know these things and if you don't please read this book because you know Again, it's not my personal books, but you know something that is going to help you for sure. That's right. That's right. It's that mindset shift. Yes. That if you don't have the mindset shift, if you just want to open a business, but you don't really have the shift in mindset from an employer, I'm sorry, employee to be in that employer, it's really hard. So um, without that book, I would have never done it. And as soon as I read that book, I opened my corporation in, in L.A., yeah within a month of reading that book. Exactly. And 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 just and I just and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just started doing it, you know. And yeah. little by little I, I went to my boss immediately and it was a job I knew I wasn't going to be at very long. And I said, hey, can you pay me as a 1099 instead of a W2? And he goes, sure, it saves me on tax money. You know, it saved him money. And I said, can you pay me a little extra? And he goes, sure. You know, so I got a little higher wage without any taxes taken out. And that was at a time where that was my first 1099 business. Yeah, I was just working for someone, but it allowed me to work for him for about two months and put all that income straight into my business. And then I went out on my own and was done with him and started creating my own contracts and finding my own places to work with. And it was a fun journey. Um, but if I would have stayed at W-2 or in that mindset of a W-2, it, it, you know, it's totally different. And again, I love the, the rich dad, poor dad. And I'm not sure where, which one of his books he talked about this. But he's like, if you have $100,000 as you're an, as an employee, you then get taxed immediately 35%, 40%. Then let's just say 40%, you got $60,000 left to pay everything that you live on versus that business that makes $100,000 and pays rent, pays for the car, pays for the cell phone, pays for the computer, pays for the, a lot of things. And then at the end of the year is left with $20,000. And then you're going to get taxed on that $20,000 at a much less rate than you were at the $100,000. That was 
for me, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> I'm switching. I'm switching gears. And in my first gig, once I left that that job where I had a full time job, even though it was it became 1099, I realized I could work 25, 28 hours a week and make way more money than when I was working 40 hours a week as a W-2 by working 25 to 28 as a W as a 1099. So that was my first shift. And this was back in 2001. And been, I'd been a PT for three years already and was already burned out. I was already done. I was already ready to leave the, leave the profession. And Rich Dad Poor Dad kept me in the profession, but it changed me into an entrepreneur. And it totally did, it changed everything about my world. Yeah, it just uh, relates me to one of the mentee that I did like two years ago. So he he did not have a business interest, but at the same time, you don't have to necessarily have a business interest. So his case was similar story. So, you know, like if I will explain in my example is uh, like if I was working in New York because I was an employee making hundred to hundred fifty thousand dollars, New York has a state tax. Texas does not. Right. So on the top of 30 to 35 percent, you're paying eight and a half percent state tax. Yeah. So if you make hundred thousand dollars in New York City, the act like you are almost paying forty to forty-two to forty-five thousand dollars in taxes alone before you even have to see your money. Okay. Yeah. So that's like sixty thousand dollars plus on the top. New York City is so much freaking expensive because of course I live in Texas, I know the difference. Yeah. And Everything is just expensive. Like gall- like a gallon of milk is $4. Gallon of gas is $4. Right now we have two and a half, right? And that was one of the, like, you know, point that made me switch from New York to Texas because the economic of scale does not make sense if you are an employee, okay? So, and the reason is, again, is uh, like, you know, your salary is going to be the same as a PT, if you work in a New York City or Texas or, you know, there may be like five to $7,000 difference, but at the same time, you have to see how much you are saving. It's it's not about how much you are making. It's all about how much you are saving, right? So these are the things that has helped me and is helping me because I'm not only focused on making money. At the same time, I'm, a, I'm also focusing on saving money, which is doubling my profit. So I'm making hundred thousand plus I'm saving hundred thousand dollars. So now my profit is two hundred thousand dollars. It's a totally different world. Yeah. So, but if I if I'm just focused on like you know just like making the hundred thousand, the max I can push is hundred twenty. But doing that, I'll even burn myself. Right. And I see it a lot in a business. Okay. People are like from hundred thousand. If they want to go to hundred fifty, they're literally going to burn themselves just to get to hundred fifty. But they're purely missing out a point that there is a $50,000 that you can save, which is going to add up to 150 without, it's just like this, without like, you know, making some minor tweaks that I said, you know, like uh, maybe you want to renegotiate your lease because right now is the best time that if your lease is up and if you're, if you're leasing, if you're owning, that's fine. But if you're leasing right now is the time that you have to renegotiate the lease and save that extra $500, which is going to add $6,000 to your pocket just like that. Yeah. 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 Right. It's those little things. Yeah. Looking at the money and looking at the numbers, you know, we didn't learn any of that in school. We learned how to look at the goniometer. How much flexibility does that elbow have? You know, what's that flexion? What's that extension? That's the numbers we learned. You know, we learned a totally different numbers. And, and again, 
I went into business not knowing anything about those numbers and and learned it along the way, figured out what was important along the way. And and really, really, I wish we would have had some some training in school. I wish we would have had some ability to, you know, my my business training again, I finished in 98. So it's been a while. But my business training is they brought a guy in. He was a home health PT and he talked about how he owned a clinic, but he had to work home health in order to make ends meet. And he drove around from the clinic to home health, eating his sandwich in the car because he didn't have time to eat lunch. That was my business lesson that this guy didn't have time to eat lunch. So he had to eat it in the car and he had to do home health to make his clinic make ends meet. And this is the guy you brought in to tell me how like about business, like, come on people. So, <laughs> I, I didn't learn anything from him other than like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and an apple, you know, because he could eat that easily in his car. Um, yeah on that drive from one thing to the other. And I'm going, man, that, that wasn't very inspiring. Like that didn't make me want to go out and own a clinic because, and then have to eat lunch in the car because I'm driving all over to, to, to try to make it work. So it was, yeah. very it was a very interesting thing. And that was my, so guess what? I was kind of like, I was kind of like, business is ridiculous. If this is what they're going to teach me about business, I don't want anything to do with it. So I <laughs> pushed it away, pushed it away. And then so, I was to it. Yeah. So like, see, uh, like when we talk about numbers, you know, like people only think in a way of like business. No, like, you know, uh, numbers are everywhere. You know, there's a growing, like, you know, burning topic that I see is, uh, does it make sense to be a PT right now? Okay. So if I see it, I see it in a numbers perspective, right? So PT degree is equivalent to 80 to $100,000 job, right? So any given day. So if you go to a school and like incur a student debt of $400,000, $500,000 compared to you can go to state university, get a PT license because at the end, as long as you, you have a PT license, you're the same, yep. right? So I have a good buddy who went to NYU, spent $100,000 a year, has $400,000 in student debt when we, like, you know, when he got out and I went to, you know, the cheap university, $20,000 per year. But at the end, I was like, you know, I was like dead free. As long like, so you have to understand the value of your degree, you know, and again, it comes down to numbers. Does the number make sense? Right. And like what I'm trying to say is like, you know, for me, it always converts into number regardless of the situation. So it, it doesn't have to be your business situation that you are struggling that I can help out. We can help out as, you know, anything that even if you're struggling as a financial or as a professional to make out the decision, we can definitely help you out with that too. Because I did actually for this guy and I explained him the same, my situation. He was like a PT in New York City, getting $100,000 and barely saving $10,000 for himself. Not even $10,000. He was like negative. Every year he had almost $10,000 of credit card debt. Because of he was living in the city, working in the city, but you know he was still not able to meet make the like meets end. But then he moved to a like you know Oklahoma, where he was getting eighty six thousand dollar, and he's saving thirty six thousand dollar every year. He paid off his debt, and now he saves almost thirty thousand dollar from that job alone. So. Just imagine like that 30,000 saving is equivalent to a business, like, you know, having a business 
giving you earning of $30,000 because you have to make it work to give you the $30,000, right? That's so right. At the right. end, you're making the money. That That's the whole story. You can own one business or you can own 10 business or you can own 100 business. But at the end, do you make money? Okay. Somebody with one business is making more than money than 100 businesses. That business is way more valuable than that 100 business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. So, yeah, that's like, no, that's the number again. And I'm the number guy. <laughs> numbers well i love it vj i appreciate your time man i'm going to say one more thing about the the what you just mentioned and then we'll wrap it up pretty quickly um you mentioned going to school and the amount of money that you chose to spend a lot less than someone else i was in that same situation i could have went to a bigger undergrad college but i chose to go to a smaller undergrad college and the smaller undergrad college it cost me one thousand dollars a semester for rent food tuition books, everything. I was there five years, $10,000 for a five-year education. And then I went to PT school and I only had to borrow $30,000. So I got out of PT school with owing 30 grand and I paid that off in the first two years. And I was never burdened by student loan debt. But I also know friends that chose a different route and they chose to spend a lot of money to go to, to undergrad school where I'm like, I don't really care why I go to undergrad. I just need to get that piece of paper to go to the next level because every there was only one PT program in Louisiana, LSU. So my ultimate goal was to go to LSU for PT school, but I didn't care where I went to undergrad. So I went to the cheapest place I could go because it didn't matter to me. And a lot of people, they looked at me like, Oh, I can't believe you're going to that school. That's a, that's a crappy school. And I'm like, Hey, I had a ball at that school. It was amazing, yeah. but it got me to where I wanted. And no one's ever come in and asked me where I went to college. Yeah. No one cares about where I went to college, whether it's PT school or undergrad school. They just want to know, can I help them with their back pain? They don't care about the rest of it. And that's been the beauty of it. And and I really, I love that point, you know, because again, I know people that chose the most expensive PT school in the country, moved to there, spent a ton of money. And then they realized 10 years later, they're still paying a lot. Like they're still paying more in a month for student loan debt than I paid for a whole semester of tuition. And, and so it's just, it doesn't make sense to me, but that's, that's what people do. Well, BJ, let's wrap it up, my friend. This has been awesome. Uh, we, we've gone over an hour now and, and we could, I know <laughs> we, could going, we could keep going for quite some time, um, but it's been, it's been great, man. And, and again, every time we talk, we, we, we go into some new levels of depth that uh, I get to learn about you and your business. And, you know, you get to learn about me and, and I love that. And, and you said a lot of different things. Um, confidence is the word. One word is my big takeaway from it. I've always been confident. And so that's something that has been a part of growing my business and my clinic and my helping my people. And I love that that was something that you re- reiterated over and over and over. And so again, it was just a great discussion, my man. And I, po- we were supposed to do this yesterday and I, I, I totally, <laughs> yesterday i totally flaked man i was a flake 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 yesterday and i apologize my man but thank you for your time um i appreciate it man and we will definitely do this again because i feel like we again we could we could talk for another hour easily so thanks a lot my butt my man and um we'll keep we'll be uh seeing you soon and anytime you come down to austin you let me know and anytime i'm gonna head up to dallas i will let you know as well my my texas circle is starting to grow my network um, of people that i've 
never met in person, but I know very well now through this, this online thing that has yep. uh, brought us all together. So thanks a bunch, man. And uh, we'll see you soon, my friend. Sure. Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. Take care. Yep. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, could you do us a favor and leave some love and write us a review? My name is Stephen Dunn. I help physical therapists incorporate Pilates into their physical therapy practice. If you would like more information on how you can incorporate Pilates into your physical therapy practice, then like my Facebook page, Pilates for PTs.